0: Ezekiel chapter 22 tonight is where we'll be. The most well-known verse of this chapter is verse 30. If you've ever heard it before, it says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge, and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. And that is where we will end tonight. But I'm afraid that we missed the verses before it. Because in those verses, we see a very compelling case as to why God was looking for someone to stand in the gap. I remember as a bus kid, when I started coming to junior church, I heard songs that I'd never heard before. I remember we used to sing, I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart where? Down in my heart where? We used to sing the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me, I Stand Alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Do you know there was more correct theology in that junior church in Yadkinville, North Carolina than the most liberal church in Ocala? Did you know that? We were not a bunch of theologians, but we knew the Bible was true, and we would sing the B-I-B-L-E. But I remember it used to scare me, one week a month, we'd have to go up to the adult service, and... They didn't sing the songs up there that we sang down in junior church. Matter of fact, it was the first time I was introduced to such a thing called a hymnal. You open up the pages and you see these funny looking bars and these dots that just jump every which way and like four lines of text. How do you know what to sing? That's the way I felt as a first timer. But I can still remember I would be sitting on the front row, and we would open up that hymnal. S. D. Parker, the song leader, would say, "Open to number such and such." And sometimes, as a bus kid, it was just a little overwhelming because you'd never sung these things before. You know, you could open up a song like "Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus." That for you is old hat. For me, it was brand new, and I would look at it and I'd get lost in a hurry. I could start off, I had no idea what those notes meant, but I could find the words and stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Hmm, 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 just hum through the rest of it. That's how I survived a lot of congregational singing until I learned some of the words. But you know, in that song that I've mentioned tonight, stand up, stand up for Jesus, listen, the longer I live, the more importance I see to that song. And I believe if we could travel back many years ago to Ezekiel and say, Ezekiel, why was God looking for a man to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge? Why was God looking for somebody to stand with boldness and courage to intercede and to stand on behalf of Israel? I believe tonight that Ezekiel would have said, I'll tell you why. And he would have read the verses preceding verse 30. For you see, ladies and gentlemen, the same crisis that I think was happening in Israel, we see the same characteristics today. What am I saying? This is what I'm saying. I believe there's just as much a need tonight for men and women in our churches to stand in the gap this evening than just as much as ever before. I'm saying that tonight God is still looking for teenagers. Teenagers who are willing to cast their dreams to the wind and follow the will of God. Even if it means going to the farthest country, even if it means being the pastor of the church, even if it means coming out of your comfort zone. You see, back in Israel's day, you understand that it was a day that was filled with confusion. It was a day that was filled with cowardice. It was a day that was filled with captivity because of sin. And ladies and gentlemen, I think those same things can be found in America tonight. America is the land of the free and home of the brave, but yet there are millions upon millions that live in the bondage of sin. We find tonight that while there are many steeples, there are many churches that you'll find scattered across this country, it seemingly there is less and less boldness and willingness of those to stand on behalf of God with a great boldness. And so tonight I invite you to look at what was going on in the heart of Israel and in the heart of Ezekiel as God Almighty makes His plea. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. Now, the first thing that I want to show you tonight is a lack of discernment. We're going to see that lack of discernment in verses 26 and following. Now, when I'm talking about a lack of discernment, let me just give you a real-life illustration of it. Uh, When I was a kid growing up, there were times that I did things. To be quite honest, there was no rational explanation. I didn't think. I, now I hear my kids when they were younger, Dad, I didn't think. I, I know where they got that from because I didn't think. And there'd be times I'd stand before my dad. My dad would say, boy, why did you do that? And I looked at him and I said, I don't know. And I can still hear his, his voice when he would look at me in that North Carolina accent. and He'd say, boy, you ain't got a lick of sense. That's how he said it. He looked at me and he said, Boy, you ain't got a lick of sense. What was he telling me? He was telling me that I lacked discernment. Now, one of the reasons God is looking across Israel for people that will boldly stand for him is because he's looking across a nation, to be quite honest, that doesn't have a lick of sense. Isaiah 5 and verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet. Here you have a group of people that they can't even discern good and evil. The things in Israel's society that were evil, they said those are good. The things that were good in their society, they said, oh, that's evil. And you know the very same thing that was happening in Israel, I believe, is happening in America tonight. You take a man who holds up the gospel. He's called a fool by the world. And yet you take those that are given to destroying this country and they're exalted as good. You take those that hold up virtue and holiness and purity. They're called evil. You take those that live in immorality and they're extolled by society as being good. You understand the very thing that was happening in Israel is happening in America tonight. There is a lack of discernment in our country. You find that lack of discernment illustrated very clearly among three groups of people in Israel. Notice with me, first of all, the lack of discernment among the priests. In verse 26, "...her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They've put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and clean, and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them." You know, the first group you find a lack of discernment in is the the priests. Now, here's my, my question to you tonight. If anybody in Israel knew what was right and what was wrong... If anybody knew what was holy and unholy, it ought to have been the priest, right? I mean, do you understand the priests were educated from a very early age? I mean, ignorance is not an excuse. They couldn't stand there and say, I didn't know that. No, the priests, they knew what was right, but here it was. They were indifferent to the holiness of God. Of anybody that should have known right in that land, it was the priests. But they were indifferent. They knew that God was holy. They had been taught that God was holy. They had been taught you don't approach the things of God haphazardly. And yet to them they put no difference between the holy and the profane. And folks, I believe there's a great lack of discernment. We don't have priests today, but we do have believer priests. I'm talking about people who've been saved by the grace of God, who stand before the Lord and they intercede to God. But you know, I'm afraid there's a great indifference and there's a great lack of discernment among believer priests today. Folks, it amazes me in church culture. There's a lot of things that's happening in the general church culture today, and I'll tell you one of the things that's destroying it is when churches put no difference between the holy and the profane. You know what? There ought to be a distinct difference between a bar and a church. And I'm talking about more than just the alcohol that's consumed. It amazes me how some people today are trying to take the world and the church, put it in a jar, and shake it up. You know, the very moment you take the world and you try to take the things of God and you put it together, you know, the very moment you do that, you've made it unclean. Do you understand that? Listen, if I take a towel that I mean was washed and sanitized in one hand, and I take a dirty rag in another and I put them together, listen to me, I've just dirtied the whole thing. And we find that there's a lack of respect for the holiness of God. There's a lack of discernment even among church leaders today where you can't tell if that's a rock concert or a church service. That's the church culture in America today. Is it any wonder that God Almighty looked out across Israel and said, Will not somebody stand in the gap? You know, talking about the holiness of God, I just want to say tonight that I think one of the areas in which a lack of discernment is greatly manifested among Christians today when it comes to the holiness of God is the name of God. Now, I realize tonight that I stand to probably be called old fashioned. And that's all right. It's funny, some people that mock old fashioned, it's funny they like old fashioned apple pie. (laughs) They like old fashioned funnel cakes at the fair with all that sugar. Sometimes they don't like old fashioned religion. It's all what you pick and choose, I suppose. But ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest areas in which I see a lack of respect to God and a lack of holiness is what we do with the name of God. (laughs) I think we need to return to the fact that teaching our children Psalm 99 and verse 3, let them praise thy great and terrible name for it is holy. Psalm 111 verse 9, He sent redemption unto His people, and He hath commanded His covenant forever. Holy and reverend is His name. I'm a firm believer, if you're a child of God, the last thing you need to say is, Oh my, and then use the name of God. Do you know when we use God's name as just a byword, we put no difference between the holy and the profane. I can remember when I was a kid, an unsaved farmer would cringe when a boy used God's name in vain because he had been taught by a God-fearing mother, you don't do that. And yet we can go up and down our church halls and we hear the phrase, oh my, and they use the name of God. Now if you're in the habit of that tonight, listen, I'm not your friend, I'm not your enemy. I just want to remind you that God's name is holy. And we live in a day when the holy things of God are no longer special. They are no longer set apart. I'll tell you, if there's ever a place where God ought to be lifted up and esteemed as holy, it ought to be among the people of God in the house of God. There's much more I could say tonight about the lack of discernment among the priests, but let me just say this. God looked along the religious crowd. They had no respect for Him. And He looks over Israel and He says, Is there not one that will stand in the gap and make up the hedge for me? And the same is true tonight. God's name is used with flippancy. Late night comedians use God's name in vain and make God the butt of jokes. In much of the political world, people want to push God out of any aspect of public life whatsoever. When you see that, ladies and gentlemen, where are the people tonight? Where are the ones who will stand? Where are the people in Central Baptist Church that will say, Hey, instead of warming a pew, I'm going to serve God. Let that urgency drive you to serve Him tonight. There was a lack of discernment among the priests, but there was also a lack of discernment among the princes. Verse 27, Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. So now what do you see? Not only is there a lack of discernment among the priests, there's a lack of discernment among the princes. Those who are in rule... Those who are exercising authority over Israel, and there's three characteristics of these princes. Notice what they are. Number one (coughs) to shed blood. If I could say it this way, back in this time of Israel there was no regard for human life. To shed blood. I believe for years we've been programmed as a society in our country to shed blood and to not bat an eye. Some of the greatest selling forms of entertainment are filled with violence, thuggery, people murdered in mass and a culture is being subtly programmed that's acceptable. We live in a country every day where more lives are taken in abortion than COVID-19. You saying is is that not significant? I mean the coronavirus is that No, I'm just saying when I look at it in perspective. You understand what perspective is? When I look at it, I find that there are institutions that are exalted even within the ranks of our government that support the shedding of innocent blood. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, here we are in 2020. There are pulpits across this country that need to be filled with Bible preachers. There are mission fields that need to be reached. Where are they tonight? Not only to shed blood, but to destroy souls. I was in the public school system for 13 years. (coughs) Kindergarten through 12th grade. And you know what? I was taught in that public school framework many times. I was taught by people. They were destroying. They were tearing down God's Word. And the ultimate goal was to destroy souls. So I'm glad you have a Christian school. <clears throat> I can still remember going I had a liberal I had a liberal Sunday or a, a liberal uh, civics teacher in high school he was a united methodist and he was as liberal as the day is long didn't believe the bible was the word of god was always questioning things but yet he was always carrying his religious affiliation as a badge by this time in my school career I'd started bringing my bible to school god was working in my heart And one day Mr. McCraw looked at me and he said, Bill, i got a question for you. I said, what's that, sir? He said, what do you think about women preachers? I said, you probably don't want to ask me that, sir. He said, why not? I said, you may not like my answer. He said, well, I'd like for you to explain it to all of us. I said, all right, I will. And so I pulled out my New Testament and I read 1 Timothy chapter 3. I read Titus chapter 1. And I said, you know, Mr. McCraw, basically, I just believe, according to this, it's clearly laid out, a woman can't be a pastor. And I said, I just, it's not right. But what I didn't know, that man was setting me up. And when he was done, he looked around the entire class. He said, how many of you have women pastors? And I had about five or six girls look a hole right through me. You know, there are times I went to class and it was nothing more than a setup and it was trying to destroy me and to try to humiliate me. I'm not saying that everybody in the public school system is that way. I realize there's some that are teaching that are trying to be salt and light. But in large part, I was raised in a system that was trying to destroy souls. To shed blood, to destroy souls, to get dishonest. Gain. It's called getting something for nothing. You know, when I went to Ambassador, I learned <coughs> I got a scholarship. When I, to, when I had to go to college, I had to pay the school bill. I got a scholarship. You know what the name of that scholarship was? W-O-R-K. Thankfully, I was taught to work hard as a kid in the tobacco fields of North Carolina. I wouldn't uh, necessarily endorse the trade, but nonetheless, when you get worked like a dog, I'll tell you, when I got out of those fields and I worked in air conditioning, I thought, man, this is great, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I was taught to work hard. We live in a society today where that is pushed down. What am I saying? When you look across America tonight, you see the same things. To shed blood, to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain, and yet we as the people of God aren't very alarmed by it. There was a lack of discernment among the princes. There was a lack of discernment among the princes, uh, the priests, but there was also a lack of discernment among the prophets. In verse 28 And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing uh, vanity, divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. <coughs> there were people that were saying, God said this, when God didn't say it. Do you like that when people do that for you? For you young people, you get a kick out of this. I remember when I was a college student, there was a friend of mine, he really liked a young lady. And he was head over heels for her. And a mutual friend of ours wrote a letter to this guy as if it was from her. And in that letter, he wrote to him pretending to be her. He said, I I would really like to get to know you better. And then later on that evening, that young man found that young girl, went up to her and said, Hey, I got your note. And she looked at him and said, What note? And after reading it, she looked at him and said, I didn't write that. Forget it. You talk about a raw deal. There's more in that story another day. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, there's a lot of preachers in Ocala, Florida tonight that are saying, Thus saith the Lord when the Lord hath not spoken. It bothers me to see a younger generation of preachers my age and below that are more consumed with social justice than they are the gospel. You say, Are you against justice? No, I'm for justice. And I'll tell you, if all of us got what we deserve tonight, you know where we'd be. Every last one of us would be in hell. I believe that cops ought to do right. I believe tonight that preachers ought to do right. And I believe that we live in a sin-cursed world. We have a lot of imperfection. But I'm finding tonight that there are people that are jumping to every cause but the gospel. Preachers! I'll tell you what will clean up this mess. The death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you take a man whose heart is filled with hate, and you have his heart filled with Jesus, he's a new creature. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, here we are tonight. We have a group of people that say, Thus saith the Lord when the Lord hath not spoken. And yet we have such a great need for people to go into the Lord's work. God says, I'm seeking for somebody to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. There was a lack of discernment. But there was also a land in despair. Verse 29, The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. You see, not only do you see a lack of discernment among the priests and the prophets and the princes, but now you see an entire land that's in despair. What are they doing? They're doing exactly what the leadership was doing. Now, I want to drive home a principle tonight, but before I do, I want to put a disclaimer on it. In what I'm about to say, I am not condoning the victim mentality. This is what I mean by that. There are some people, and they say, well... The reason I'm the way that I am is because my dad was this way and this was this way. And so I have no choice but to be that way. Let me tell you, that's a bunch of malarkey tonight. And the reason I can say that is because I'll tell you what, if I had bought into that, I'd be a drunkard tonight and a carouser. If I bought into that, ladies and gentlemen, my life would be a lot different. What am I telling you? I'm telling you, you know what? Your circumstances may shape you, but you're the one that makes the decision. But now, with that in mind, let me say this. The leadership of Israel influenced an entire nation to live the same way they lived. They're stealing, they're thieving, they're in confusion. They have no authority. Why? Because the prophets and the priests and the princes... And ladies and gentlemen, the lesson that every one of us ought to take home is, listen, every mom and dad and every grandparent in here, listen to me, you exert influence over your children and grandchildren. And if they followed in your shoes, what kind of life would they live? Even among the young people that are here tonight, listen, there are people that are in grades under you, that look up to you. I want to ask you, if they followed your example, would you lead them to heaven or would you lead them to hell? If they followed your example, would they do right or would they do wrong? But I want to end tonight not talking about the land and despair. The last thing that I want to mention tonight <clears throat> is a look of disappointment. Now let me make my summation before I read the verse. God has just told Israel, Listen, you put no difference between the holy and the profane. There's a lot of religious confusion. The princes... They're teaching to shed blood, to destroy souls, and to get dishonest gain. And the preachers are useless. They're saying, thus saith the Lord when the Lord hath not spoken. And now the entire land is going to pot, so to speak. And then we hear some sad words. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. I believe those words haunted uh, Ezekiel and they ought to haunt us tonight. you know here in Central Baptist Church there are gaps to be filled (coughs) I don't care whether it's a bus to be run or it's a floor to be swept I don't care whether it's an outreach or some special ministry of the church I want to ask you what gap do you need to fill tonight what is it going to take to motivate us to give our energies to serving God Young people, listen, there's gaps all over this country tonight. This year at Ambassador, we welcomed 45 new students. I wish it was 450. It has nothing to do with finances. It has everything to do with America dying and going to hell. But I find that the same shackles or scales over the eyes of the Israelites, they're over the eyes of Americans. We're not bothered by the wickedness of society. We're not bothered by the indifference spiritually. We're not bothered by what's taking place. And I'm afraid God looks and He says, but I found none. So I want to encourage you tonight in a couple of specific ways. Actually three. Number one, if you're a member of this church tonight, get into a gap yesterday. Don't you know all the political commentary and all the social drama and do nothing? If you're a member of Central Baptist Church, stand in the gap somewhere. I say to every young person here tonight, you, have a, you should have a heart that's willing to do whatever God wants you to do. And if God wants you to be a missionary, God wants you to be a preacher, God wants you to marry a preacher, that's where you ought to be. The next generation of preachers, they're sitting up there. Some of you are like, man, some of those guys really need help. I could never see him as a preacher. I got news for you. They said the same thing about me. You know what's so great is it's not so great that God... God didn't look at me and say, boy, there's a 17-year-old with all kinds of talent. I think God looked at me and said, that's the most messed up 17-year-old. If he'll just yield to me, I'll clean him up. And can I say this as a church? I want to challenge you to collectively pray for laborers for the harvest. Brother, I'm going to tell you, if we're not going to pray for laborers now, I don't think we ever will. There's a great need for many more to stand in the gap. You know, there's a lot of people standing for the devil. Did you know that? <coughs> Ted Turner, who is a media mogul, millionaire, billionaire, Ted Turner said one day in an interview, he said, Christianity is a religion for losers. I don't need anybody to die for me. I've had a few girlfriends and a few drinks, and if that sends me to hell, so be it. I'm telling you, the devil's got a lot of people that blow his trumpet. Larry Bird, all-star forward for the Boston Celtics. One day in an interview, Larry Bird said this. He said, on my best day, Jesus Christ can't even beat me. I'm telling you, there are a lot of people that toot their own horn and they try to tear down God. But you know what God's looking for tonight? He's looking for people to stand. I close with this statement. Man by by the name of Edmund Burke said this many years ago. It stands true tonight. He said the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Folks, if you believe this country is in need tonight, then I believe you'll stand in whatever gap God puts before you. Let's bow our heads together. Father, I thank you for your word tonight and how it points us to the urgency of the hour. And Lord, I pray tonight As we continue in this service, that you'll have a hold of our hearts. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would continue His work. And Lord, that we'd leave this place tonight willing to stand in the gap that's before us. Thank you for speaking to our hearts tonight. We pray your blessing on the message to come in Jesus' name. Amen.